Hi, and welcome to our second episode in our summer series, Happy Hour Gets Hollyweird, where we talk true crime and paranormal cases in the Big Orange, the city of flowers and sunshine, the entertainment capital of the world, Hollywood. I did vocal warm-ups on the way here. Cancel titty cantaloupe. I like it. That's a new t-shirt. It's called vocal warm-ups people grow up <laughs> tinsel titties cantaloupe tinsel titties cantaloupe we're ready yeah we are ready we're good i've said five tinsel titty cantaloupes <laughs> my sins have been absolved <laughs> and i am a, a good person again i'm cassie and i'm tiffany and this is happy hour gets weird holly weird that's right we're in the second episode of our summer series where we talk true crime, paranormal, and all things weird that have to do with Hollywood. Exactly. And this week we are drinking a melon mojito. And it's pretty delicious. And Tiffany is the master mixologist behind this drink. And kudos to you. Thank you. I prefer being called the masturbator, but that's <laughs> fine. This is a pretty, uh, it's very refreshing mm-hmm. and light. It's great for a hot day. Mm-hmm. You could definitely drink a pitcher of these by the pool on accident. Yes. And as always, we'll have our drink recipe on our Instagram. Yeah. And um, it's cantaloupe, rum, mm-hmm. mint simple syrup, mm-hmm. and muddled lime, right? Yep. It's it's pretty delicious. It's good. If you If you don't like melon, you're going to love it. If you love melon, you're going to love it. It's for everybody is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and actually, you could make it a really great mocktail. Oh, you definitely could. Too. You definitely don't need the rum in this. No. Also, if you don't love cantaloupe, maybe you're a honeydew fan, mm-hmm. you could swap it out. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're not adding mint simple syrup to your club soda, then what are you doing with your life? You're failing. Fail. Epic <laughs> fail. <laughs> but don't don't feel bad. I'm there too. I haven't been adding it to my water. Or my club soda, so we're in the same boat of failure. You just wanted to start this episode off with a little self-deprecation? Yes. Okay. Fair. Before we get into our episode today, we also wanted to talk about a podcast that we're loving this week, right? That's right. We're loving Beyond the Rainbow True Crimes of the LGBTQ Plus Community, hosted by CJ. We love CJ, we love the LGBTQ Plus Community, and... We love this podcast, and we think you will, too. Hey there, Rainbow Warriors. It's me, CJ, host of Beyond the Rainbow, True Crimes of the LGBT. I have sprinkled myself with protective glitter and jumped upon my trusty unicorn to bring stories of the LGBTQI. Whether you belong to this community or not, I welcome you to take a listen to Beyond the Rainbow. I have all sorts of crazy, chilling, and horrifying stories I tell. It's available almost everywhere you listen to podcasts. Still not sure I'm worth a listen? Then check out my website at beyondtherainbowpodcast.com. And remember, it's not a crime to be gay. Unless you're a murderer. And we are back. So, today's episode is about stalking as everyone probably knows because they clicked on our episode. Yes. (laughs) Um, We are going to talk about a couple of different stalking cases, and it is uh, a serious topic, and we appreciate you sticking around for it. Mm -hmm. I am first going to cover a very tragic stalking case that helps shape the landscape of Hollywood and its celebrities as we know it today. Then I'm going to cover a celebrity that has dealt with stalking on more than one occasion, unfortunately. All right, so I'm just going to quickly cite my sources, and as always, they are listed on our show notes. I use Daily Mail UK, entertainmentweekly.com, a couple of articles from Good Housekeeping, um, a billboard.com article, and a little bit of TMZ. In 1986, model and actress Rebecca Schaefer 
moved to California for a role in the television show, My Sister Sam. The show was over within two years, but Rebecca's fame was just beginning. She was on the cover of Seventeen magazine, had a few movie roles, and was preparing for a role in Godfather 3, which would have been a game changer for the rising star. What are you talking about? Seventeen magazine was kind of a big deal. Now that's a throwback. That is. I had YM, too. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that magazine? Uh, what was that other one? Teen... Teen Vogue? Teen Beat? Yes. Tiger Beat. Tiger Beat! Yeah, we didn't have that. We did get 17 and YM for a little bit, though. My big sister did, actually. I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, but the Godfather 3 thing is legit. That's, like... Huge. Yeah. Yeah. On July 18th, 1989, Rebecca Schaefer answered a knock on her apartment door. It was a 19-year-old young man a fan named Robert John Bardo. Just days earlier, Robert Bardo had hired a private detective to find the actress's home address. That's so disgusting. That is reminiscent of the um, Aaron Andrews case of stalking. Bardo had with him a card Rebecca had sent him, her photo, and a copy of The Catcher in the Rye. Yes, (laughs) you gave me the look. The same book that Mark David Chapman was carrying when he murdered John Lennon in 1980. Very, uh, bizarre. Yeah. Their first exchange was brief. Typical kind of, uh, I'm a fan, and she thanked him and, you know, kind of ended the conversation, right? I'm sure she was a little surprised to have a knock on her apartment door. Yeah, that's, that is troubling. Yeah, total invasion. Yeah. Unfortunately, Bardo needed more than this brief exchange. An hour later, he returned to the apartment and shot Rebecca Schaefer directly in the heart. She only asked why as she died. What the fuck? Rebecca's murderer fled the scene and was found the next day in Arizona. Some accounts claimed he was screaming, I killed Rebecca Schaefer while running down the freeway. I I know that he was found wandering around. I don't know if he was screaming. I only found that on one source. Bardo claimed that after seeing an on-screen love scene of Rebecca's, he had to kill her. His defense claimed he was mentally ill, and his siblings attested to the fact he had spent time in a psychiatric facility before. I believe when he was in high school, which is young. His brother had actually purchased the gun for him because he wasn't able to buy it himself. Uh, what the actual fuck? The then deputy district attorney, Marsha Clark, who also worked the O.J. Simpson trial, uh, argued that Bardo was obsessed and not insane. Mm. In 1991, he was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I mean, I, I could understand that because... He left her apartment first and then came back. So there was like a clear thought process behind it. It wasn't just like a blitz attack. Maybe that could be, you know, under the umbrella of mental illness. I feel like it was it was calculated. Yeah. In the the fact that he left, Mm -hmm. that constitutes premeditation. Mm -hmm. So. I think that he he might have suffered from mental illness, but I still think that he knew the difference between right and wrong. Well, he made the choice to go back. Yeah. And and kill her. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that is, like you said, he made the choice between right and wrong. This case made a huge impact on Hollywood, as you can imagine. L.A. police created the first U.S. team focusing on stalking investigations. In 1990, a year after Rebecca's death, California passed the U.S.'s first ever anti-stalking law, which makes it a felony to cause another or their family to be in reasonable fear for their safety and carries a state prison sentence. This law has been adopted by every state, and the U.S. Congress passed the Driver's Privacy Protection Act in response to the P.I. getting Rebecca's address through DMV. Um... It was honestly scary how easy it was for Bardo to get Rebecca Schaefer's address. He paid a PI like 300 bucks and the PI paid DMV like $4 mm-hmm. to get her address, mm-hmm. which I can't even, I don't even understand why that, why would that would possibly be allowed. 
before this law. It's in, it's insanity to me. Of course, uh, we still have a ways to go to protect people from stalking. Um, and we'll kind of talk about stalking laws and statistics at the end of our episode. We're going to touch on that again. But at the very least, Rebecca Schaefer's death sparked a change in legislation and the realization that stalking is a very serious crime. It's a very serious crime. Uh, but one thing I found kind of researching the statistics and uh, what you can do to kind of um, help yourself if you're being stalked is every state does have a law against stalking, but every state has different guidelines as what constitutes stalking. Yeah, that's frustrating. It is very frustrating. Before the murder of Rebecca Schaefer, I think that people, um, I think that uh, celebrities had a thinner separation between their fans. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think that people realized how much danger they were in just by being in the public and being a public figure. Mm -hmm. And I think that this really kind of shattered that illusion of safety that celebrities had. Well, now celebrities have um, security guards and bodyguards and they live in double gated communities and, Mm -hmm. you know, which is necessary. If you're in the public eye, unfortunately, you are a huge target for stalkers and Mm -hmm. people who are obsessed with people in the limelight and it's it's such an unfortunate part of being famous I don't think it should come with the territory I feel like you're an artist you're a a music uh musical artist you're a um, an actress or an actor you're a producer whatever I don't feel like because you're those things that you should give up your safety yeah exactly I totally agree You should never have to. Or uh, your privacy. Yes. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of um, like paint and canvas artists. There's a lot of famous sculptors. There's a lot of other kinds of artists that are are well-known and famous that don't have to give up their privacy, that don't have to give up their security. Yeah. You shouldn't have to sacrifice your safety for fame. No. I don't think. I, 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 I feel like for people who say it comes with the territory, you are stupid. Yeah. Fuck that. So now we are going to switch gears and discuss a celebrity that we all know and love, Rihanna. Riri. And if you somehow don't know who Rihanna is, first of all, hi, I'm assuming you were abducted by aliens and have been living (laughs) on another planet. That sounds amazing. Tell us your story. Yeah. Uh, Email us. (laughs) Please email us. So Rihanna was born in Barbados. Mm Mm-hmm. She is a singer, songwriter, actress, and businesswoman running both a fashion line and a makeup line. Yes. And she was, I mean, talk about inclusivity, groundbreaking. When she debuted her makeup line, she debuted 40 different shades. That's 40 different shades of foundation. That is unheard of. There's maybe a handful of makeup companies that provide that big of a shade range, which is a definite problem in the in the makeup mm-hmm. and beauty industry. Some makeup companies provide 12. Yeah. 12 shade ranges. There is not 12 shade ranges in this world. There's a lot more than that. So kudos to Rihanna. She is an all-around fucking badass. So her lingerie line, Savage by Fenty, her fashion show was I mean it was phenomenal she included a whole spectrum of um, skin tones from the palest of the pale to the deepest dark she um, included a pregnant woman she included women who had a loss of limbs she included plus size of all different um shapes I mean it was it was phenomenal it was amazing like I I love Rihanna I cannot um say enough good things about her she is so inclusive and she has such a diverse uh her business is so diverse she includes I feel I just can't say it enough she's so inclusive and she's kind of she's amazing and she's also a survivor of domestic violence she is and I also listened to um I forgot to mention this at the top I listened to um, an episode of page seven and just about Rihanna. Mm-hmm. They're a pop culture podcast. Mm-hmm. Basically, she's been a hard worker her entire life. Mm-hmm. 
she's an amazing, amazing woman. And what you were saying with the inclusivity, it not only shows that she has a good heart, Mm -hmm. but it also is shows that she's a smart business person Mm -hmm. because everybody wants to see a product line that represents them. Exactly. And I have no idea why it's taken this long for every company in the world to realize that. It's really shameful. And like, you don't get to a place where Rihanna is without hard work. Like it just, it just, it's not She's been working hard her whole life. Even before she was singing, she was taking care of her little brother. And then as soon as she got on track to be a, a singer and do these things, like she's been busting her ass since day one. And, and her music is excellent. Yes, obviously. Definitely. I mean, don't make me sing Rihanna right now because it will be embarrassing. I won't. <laughs> I won't. She's also won Grammys, MTV Music Awards, Billboard Music Awards, basically oh every award you can think I, of she's I, won. I, 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 she's not of this world. No. She is fantastic and too good for this earth. She is too good for this earth. We don't deserve her. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Along with all of the fame and fortune that Rihanna has very rightly earned. Mm-hmm. She also has had to deal with an unfortunate ramification of celebrity stalking. Mm -hmm. Rihanna has had not one, but two serious situations with stalkers in her career, which I had only heard about the most recent one. So when I was researching and then I came back with two different names, I was like, what the fuck? In 2014, Rihanna had a stalker while living in Manhattan. The stalker... Kevin McGlynn, 53, was sending her handwritten letters to both her Manhattan and her L.A. addresses and threatening her. The letters contained threats of violence, such as bum-rushing the apartment. That was his words, not mine. And he also threatened gang-raping her, which is disgusting and so frightening. Kevin McGlynn claimed he was in a relationship with Rihanna and that she had stole his music. Um, he was clearly delusional, violent, and in need of psychiatric help, which is what the judge that presided over the case also believed, thankfully. Mm-hmm. He called McGlynn a ticking time bomb and compared him to Mark David Chapman. Oh, which okay. I didn't realize he was going to come up. So much. All right. Yeah. The judge luckily took the case very seriously, and although McGlynn was, not surprisingly, found unfit to stand trial, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he was sentenced to remain at a mental facility, and there was like a restraining order and all that kind of stuff. He wasn't supposed to come near Rihanna. And I think in this situation, um, McGlynn was obviously mentally ill, and I think he got the best outcome for him. Well, yeah, hopefully he got the help that he needed, the psychiatric help he needed to not be ill. Yeah, and he was um, the treatment required to stay at the actual mental facility. I'm not sure. It didn't say the duration. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he's still there. He was very delusional. He thought he said that a bunch of different celebrities had stolen music from him, and it was just this a very bizarre situation. Which I can't imagine how scary that would be. I mean, you have to think like how many celebrities are stalked and receive like threats that we don't even know about as the general public. I'm sure that they all received threats. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that he was a homeless person that was basically just always around the vicinity of Mm -hmm. her apartment Mm -hmm. kind of made the threat that much higher. Mm -hmm. Stalking is very scary. It's insidious. More recently in 2018, TMZ reported that another, a different man broke into Rihanna's home. This time in the Hollywood Hills. Oh my goodness. This story honestly really freaks me out. Okay, so his name was Eduardo Leon, 26. Um, he was found by Rihanna's assistant inside Rihanna's home. Leon had managed to disable Rihanna's alarm system. Okay, that is scary. I don't even know how he did it. It seriously freaks me the fuck out. I don't know how he did it. I don't know. I've, I've, I'm not going to say... How I've heard, I'm not going to give people tips on breaking in. I have heard a couple of different ways that people can disable alarm systems. Well, and I don't know what he did, but just the fact that he could do that is horrible. It's scary. It's very scary. You have an alarm system for that reason. I know. And I have an alarm system and now my peace of mind is shattered. I know. Us too. So this guy spent a full day, 12 hours in Rihanna's house 
What the fuck? He told police he was there to have sex with Rihanna, although he claimed he had no plans of using force. Okay, so Rihanna's going to come home and be like, oh my gosh, Eduardo, I'm so glad you broke into my house and Mm -hmm. disabled my alarm system. I can't wait to have sex with you. Yeah. No, never would that happen. Never, ever would that happen. And also a few days before this before he was caught in Rihanna's home, he mm-hmm. had broken into a different house, believing it to be Rihanna's. Oh my God. So people in her neighborhood are not safe. Yeah. I mean, clearly he was extremely motivated to get to her. Another strange little bit of information that I found when I was reading these articles is that he brought and unpacked a bag in her home. <laughs> like he like brought like an overnight bag, unpacked it. His He was charging like his, his phone. toothbrush in the holder and yeah, put shaving he, cream in the... His phone, he was like got it charged his phone it's like he was just hanging out so weird which is it's I mean it just seems like he was so weird I don't know delusional I don't know making up a fantasy life for him yeah. and Rihanna were in a relationship yeah that's that's what it sounds like in February of 2019 uh, Leon pleaded guilty to felony charges of stalking and vandalism his sentence was formal probation for five years not good enough yeah, I. it seems like a slap on the wrist. Not good enough. Uh, during which time he also is not supposed to use any form of social media, which I don't even know how the fuck they would track that. I mean, maybe they have a social media person. I don't know. He also has GPS monitoring for only 90 days. Yeah, not good enough. And he's ordered to stay away from Rihanna for 10 years. Only 10 years? Wait, how, about how about the rest forever? of her life? I, I'm surprised. But, but, you know, I was thinking maybe he was... He was probably, um, it didn't say in the articles, but I'm assuming that he had spent probably a year in jail awaiting trial. So maybe he got time served. Still not good enough. I'm just saying maybe that's why he didn't get jail time. I'm assuming. Yeah. It's like, I'm all for prison reform. And I just feel like whenever there's a situation where somebody should go to prison, they don't. And then whenever somebody shouldn't go to prison, they do. I feel like uh, every law is ass backwards. It's like opposite day every day when it's, it comes with it comes to like prison. <laughs> And also it's whenever a crime. Don't even get me started on like sex crimes or child molesters. Yes. It's like whenever a crime affects women and children, I feel like those people get less time Mm -hmm. than somebody doing something that I don't give a shit about. Yeah. Like I Mm -hmm. don't care about that. Like obviously drug abuse is a problem in this country, Mm -hmm. but sexual abuse and child abuse and domestic violence and stalking is also a problem. And the, the, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Yes. Also, this might have something to do with the reason why Leon, specific, Leon specifically had a kind of a reduced charges. Mm-hmm. They said that he had to participate in a dual diagnosis program for mental health and drug treatment. So maybe okay. he was on drugs or had a mental illness. Okay. Okay. Obviously. If, I'm all if, for rehab. I'm all for that too. Totally. If that was the, if that was the case. I just don't know if the punishment for him is something that can actually be enforced. I feel like if he only has an ankle bracelet on for 90 days, I just don't know if it's actually going to keep him away from Rihanna. Mm -hmm. And my number one concern is keeping the victim safe. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I hope that he gets the help that he needs. I hope that he overcomes whatever issues he had, but he seems like a very motivated stalker. Mm -hmm. If he broke into multiple homes, Mm -hmm. Not only did Rihanna feel unsafe in her own home after that point, her neighbors also felt unsafe in their own homes. And think about her poor assistant who walked mm-hmm. into the house and saw a stranger sitting in there. Anyone surrounding Rihanna at that point feels unsafe because they at any point can encounter this person who's trying to get to Rihanna. Yeah. I mean, and that go, that's like the reach is so far. It's like her favorite coffee shop, her favorite restaurant, Her anybody could within her proximity could be put in risk because of just the places that she frequents because this man feels like Rihanna is his property. Yes. And hopefully if it is the result of a mental illness Mm -hmm. or something like that, hopefully he gets the help and he, you know, gets rid of these delusions. But if it's not the result of a mental illness, well, and this comes, then I don't really know how you're supposed to, break that frame of mind in somebody if it's not mental illness related I don't know I mean and this comes to a bigger issue that women's bodies are up for public consumption I mentioned earlier Aaron Andrews a sportscaster for Fox News had a 
Stalker also, and she travels for work. She follows the, she's a football sports caster Mm -hmm. and she travels a team and, um, she had a very motivated stalker as well. He followed her from hotel to hotel around the country and he finally found a hotel in Nashville that would tell him the room that she was staying in and they actually told him and they booked him across the hall from her. He videotaped her getting ready and she that day decided um, to get ready in the nude, which is her prerogative. I get yeah, ready in the she nude. Can get, she can do whatever the she fuck she wants. She can get ready She's wearing a room. fucking clown suit if she wants. Yeah. Um, she was getting ready in the nude and he filmed her through her peephole in her door and he put it on the internet. And she lost her job for it. And she um, experienced a lot of shame. Why should she have lost her job for that? Because it was labeled as a sex tape. She was clearly victimized. Yeah. But she That's lost disgusting. her She lost her job for it. So it went to court. He spent two years, two years in prison. He's now currently living in his father's basement in Portland. I'm not even going to say his name. Give him the time Don't of day. Don't say his name. I'm not Fuck going him. to. Um, but uh, Aaron Andrews sued the Marriott. Because it, they were at fault yeah. for telling him what room. And she won. And if he recorded her through the peephole, does that mean the peephole was removed from the door and put in backwards? I do Because don't. I've heard that. I've heard that you can reverse a peephole, so you should always check your peephole when you're at a hotel. Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't even think of that. I don't know if it was backwards. Oh, my God. I think I heard that on a super old MFM where a fan wrote in and said, you should always check your peephole because creeps will turn your people backwards it's like it's overwhelming it's overwhelming I know it's horrible we have to have all these we have to know all these little fucking hacks and tricks just to be safe and not have our privacy or our bodies violated violated Mm -hmm. yeah it's so there's just like three cases of 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 stalking incidents and it's just it's so wild and crazy that that it just that our bodies are um, objectified, and, and yeah, and obviously we know that men can be stalked by women as well. Yeah, yes, and we'll get into that when uh, yeah. the, uh, when I cover the statistics at the end of the episode. Yeah. It's not just a woman issue; women are more likely to be stalked. Mm-hmm. Men are stalked too, um, but it's just it's very scary and it's very unfortunate that if you are living your dream, uh, uh, being an actress, being a sportscaster, being a public figure that that's always in the back of your mind that there are people out there to harm you to do to wish you harm and that will go to any lengths to get you to hurt you not only hurt you but hurt the people around you yeah it's How awful. traumatic it's really awful mm-hmm. um, thankfully in the case of Rihanna mm-hmm. uh, both of her stalking situations ended without any violence that's yeah that's thank god lucky mm-hmm. things could have been yeah, things what, could have gone so much differently but if she would have come home I know day. I don't know it's honestly too I don't even want to think about what would have happened if she would have came in instead of her poor assistant mm-hmm. it's truly terrifying although you know even though Rihanna was okay I'm sure this is a traumatic kind of situation for her something that she has to kind of carry with her you know yeah it's always probably in the back of her mind you yeah know? it would be in mine all of the stalkers that I talked about today were definitely delusional and needed help Mm -hmm. although I don't know their uh mental health diagnosis I think that what we heard we could tell that they had sort of fabricated relationships in their own mind Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate for them and scary Mm -hmm. for the victim of the stalking what makes stalking such an insidious crime is kind of the vague nature of it Mm -hmm. You never know if somebody is looking to harm you, Mm -hmm. is going to react in a violent way. Mm -hmm. There's such a fine line between fan and stalker Mm -hmm. when it comes to someone in the public eye. I mean, you have obviously someone in the industry loves and appreciates and adores their fans because quite honestly, they wouldn't be where they were without fans. So there's such a thin line between your number one fan or your biggest fan, and then it turns to stalking, you know? Yeah. I think that the the slippery slope between fan and stalker mm-hmm. is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And this quote from Bardo, 
Rebecca Schaefer's murderer mm-hmm. is a great example of that. I was a fan of hers and may have carried it too far. I loved her. If it wasn't for my obsession, I'd be law-abiding. But Hollywood is a very seductive place. There are a lot of lonely people out there seduced by the glamour. Well, I mean, take responsibility for your actions. I mean, it's not Hollywood's fault that you were a stalker and a murderer. No. Um, that is like... I just think that that kind of shows... Well, I just think that kind of shows, though, the descent from being the super Mm -hmm. fan... It does. ...to being the stalker. Yeah, it does. So, as we all know, stalking is not only reserved for celebrities, and stalking laws still have a ways to go. Cassie, do you want to kind of talk about some statistics? Yeah, and we talked about specific celebrities in this episode because this is our summer series dealing with Hollywood, but this is not just a Hollywood issue. This is an issue that could happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. And this, um, these are from NCADV.org and it is called a quick guide to stalking 16 important statistics that you, and what you can do about it. A survey done in 2011 found that 5.1 million women and 2.4 million men had been stalked the previous year. And I'm sure those stats have gone up. Wow. So more than double for women. Yes. So it definitely, this it is does. a crime that definitely affects women more. It does affect women more. It happens to men, but it is predominantly women and female victims. Um, one in every six women and one in every 19 men in the United States have been stalked in their lifetime. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty scary. And many times a stalker is someone that the victim knows. A lot of the times it is like an ex-lover or an ex-partner, an ex-husband, an ex-wife. 66% of female stalking victims were stalked by a former intimate partner. 66%. 81% of women who were stalked by a current or former husband or cohabitating partner were also physically assaulted by the partner, while 31% were sexually assaulted. Oh my God. The statistics are awful. They're very scary. And it's going to get scarier, unfortunately. The youngest populations are the most at risk. People aged 18 to 24 have the highest rate of stalking stalking victimization. It's really in college. College women are really, for some reason, a target of stalking. And state laws don't always protect stalking victims. Like I said before, although all 50 states stalking is considered a crime, less than one third of states classify stalking as a felony if it's a first offense. And this leaves stalking victims without protections afforded to victims of other violent crimes. 76% of women murdered by an intimate partner were stalked first, while 85% of women who survived murder attempts were stalked first. That makes sense. It's like after a bad breakup and the person is stalking you to find out your mm-hmm. your habits and when they can get to you, mm-hmm. basically. 89% of femicide victims who had been physically assaulted before their murder were also stalked in the last year prior to their murder. And this is why every single stalking case should be taken seriously. That's 89%. Because That's almost 100%. It's like usually stalking is... A lead up to an even bigger crime. Right. 54% of femicide victims reported stalking to the police before they were killed by their stalkers. That's over half. It's awful. Stalking takes its toll emotionally, psychologically, and even financially. One in seven stalking victims have been forced to move because of their victimization. Stalking victims suffer much higher rates of depression anxiety, insomnia, and social dysfunction than the general population. 86% of victims surveyed reported their personalities had changed as a result of being stalked. 37% of stalking victims fulfilled the diagnostic criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder. And an additional 18% fulfilled all but one diagnostic criteria. One in four stalking victims contemplated suicide. One in eight stalking victims has reported losing work because of the stalking. More than half of these 
victims reported losing five or more days of work. So this is like a serious issue. And how, how can we help stalking victims? We can encourage our state legislators to tighten stalking statutes. We can ask our legislators to update the federal domestic violence firearm prohibitor. We can ask members of Congress to support legislating providing legislation providing additional funding for local programs that help stalking victims. We could uh, support legislation encouraging domestic violence education for middle and high school students. We can encourage local schools and youth programs to train teachers, school counselors, and athletic coaches to recognize children and teens who are in violent situations. Support local programs in your community aimed at increasing domestic violence and sexual violence and stalking education, prevention, and intervention. I'm going to go over a little bit on how if you're in a situation, if you find yourself in a situation where you're being stalked, um, what you can do to kind of help yourself. Um, it's that I like feel terrible to even ha- having to say that, that, but it's a reality. You really have to help yourself and help your case. Mm-hmm. Um, so stalking basically is just like repeated calls to your phone, including hangups, Um, The person follows you, shows up wherever you are, sends unwanted gifts, letters, texts, emails, damages your property, monitors your phone calls. Um, They could use hidden cameras or GPS to track where you go. They drive by your house or your work or your school. They threaten to hurt you or your family, your friends, your pets. Um, They do things to control you, to track your movements, or to frighten you. And they can also use other people to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. And you can, first of all, call 911 for immediate assistance. If you feel immediately in danger, call 911. Honestly, it's better safe than sorry. Yeah. Tell someone that you trust. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your neighbors. Tell your coworkers. Tell your HR department to keep out, um, tell, if you're at work, tell HR to keep out for someone who looks suspicious or tell them what you're going on. I know it can be maybe tough to talk about it to other people, but it's so important that you tell someone in your life what's going on. Um, because that provides documentation and, and reinforces what's happening. Right. And also it's like, so they don't accidentally, like the Aaron Andrews case where the hotel didn't accidentally... I'm not going to give them a free pass, but no hotel should never do that. I I worked at a hotel. Never do that. I was front desk for a hotel before Mm -hmm. and I would have never, you would would never do that. No, I don't understand why somebody would give information like that. She won. They were liable for that. They caused, they, they helped that man take advantage of her. But like, Say you're, someone shows up at your parents' house or your best friend's house and says, oh, hey, I'm a friend from high school. You know, uh, I was wondering if you you could give me Cassie's telephone number or address. I'd really love to look her up. It's like they could be a stalker, you know. So if your friends and your family and your work are aware of what you're going through, they're less likely to give out information. information. Find an advocate in your local area. There's programs for domestic violence Mm -hmm. and sexual assault agencies Mm -hmm. um go to the police department the walk into the police department um you could even go to the district attorney's office Mm -hmm. and there's people who can help explain local stalking laws they can walk you through um like filing a protective order restraining order um and they can help you like kind of develop a safety plan for yourself and you, it's so important that you document every single incident. You need to make a log of encounters, hang-up calls, public sightings, save all the messages, save all the emails, save all the unwanted gifts, save everything, your call history. And um, in this, this website that I'm looking on, it's victimconnect.org. They have a ton of resources. They actually have a incident log form that you could print out. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing is, and it's easier said than done, is to end all contact. Don't answer phone calls. Don't try to reason with this person. Um, don't even try to tell them to stop. Just 
any contact may encourage the stalker to continue the stalking behavior. Because the stalker is looking for any reason to keep doing it. Yes. And anything that you, any, any attention you thing. give them, mm-hmm. even if it's negative, will only reinforce why they should continue their behavior. Yes. And always take threats seriously. That I feel like is the most important thing is to always take them at face value and what they're saying seriously. It's a good idea to have a safety plan in Mm -hmm. action just in case someone does break into your house. What's your safety plan? If you're followed, what's your plan? If you're at work and you go out to your car and you see your stalker there, what is your plan of action? And then, um, and also this is so heartbreaking to say, but, um, you need to prepare your children also of your safety plan and you need to teach your children what to do if there's an emergency where to hide if there's a danger in the house and how to call the police or a trusted person for help that is so heartbreaking it it, is it's terrible and then also something that i think we don't realize with cell phones these days is always turn off your gps location if you feel like you're in a situation like this just remember that you get pinged or you get you check in at places and you might not even realize that it's happening yeah like some apps when you like sign up for them you just click yes 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 and you don't realize that they're using your gps location and um you can someone using the same app can look into your gps location and find out where you are i'm gonna link that um resource page definitely in our i'll link it in our um show description or show notes and I'll also link it in our permanent links in our bio mm-hmm. um so there's a lot of great resources on this um website about stalking and who to contact and um, how to get help and I think stalking is more common than people realize I think so too the whole time you were talking about uh, taking precautions to protect yourself, I was thinking about my older daughter has just gotten really big into riding her bike. Mm-hmm. And we've been going for bike rides and um, just like around our neighborhood in the bike lanes and, you know, teaching her all these things. And uh, we were talking about when you come to a four-way stop. And I said, even if you know that it's somebody else's turn to stop at mm-hmm. a stop sign, I said, you can't ever expect them to stop. Mm-hmm. And I told her, don't ever put your safety in somebody else's hands. Mm-hmm. And I've made her repeat that to me over and over. And it's kind of a little thing because we're just learning about riding a bike. But when you're raising your children and when you're raising daughters, I just think it's a lesson that kind of has to be ingrained in them. Well, the reality is that the world is a very dangerous place for a woman. Yeah. And raising young women and raising daughters, it's it's really sad that we have to teach them and let them know that not everybody is kind. Not everybody is a good person and you need to protect yourself. Yeah. And also raising sons. I have a son and teaching him like uh, just the lessons that everybody should be teaching their son. Like consent is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. And just because you like somebody doesn't mean that they have to like you back. Yeah. And no, nobody owes you that. And that's just how life is. And we need to respect one another. I mean, it's like, I wish people were teaching their sons. I wish we didn't have to teach our daughters these things because people were teaching their sons. Exactly. How to be respectful and how to be good humans. I've had conversations with my son. He's a, he's a teen about, you know, not only obviously respecting women and consent and all these things, but Mm -hmm. also that if you see somebody doing something that you know was wrong Mm -hmm. to step in, Mm -hmm. if you see a girl being put in a situation that's not safe Mm -hmm. to be the person that stands up for her, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, there's a lot of conversations that are uncomfortable Mm -hmm. when you have, I mean, even young kids, it's, it's a lot, but when your kids are teenagers, there's so many awkward and uncomfortable conversations, but Mm -hmm. it is so worth it to have the uncomfortable, awkward conversation before something happens than to have the horrible conversation after. Yeah. And that is with like sexual consent and that's with racism and that's, there is a whole bunch of uncomfortable conversations we should be having as parents. 
it's like hey if you you're not uncomfortable to you're get- not doing it right exactly <laughs> like uncomfortable conversations are come with the territory yeah. and I feel like you just posted retweeted something on Twitter that I thought was awesome and it was about um teenagers watching um porn porn on the internet yeah. and it's like if you really think about it they don't talk about consent in porn yeah, that was a fantastic commercial put out by uh, New Zealand. Right. I mean, you can compare it to like superhero movies. Like, obviously, those are fantasy. Porn is a, is the same thing. It's it's a fantasy. That's not real life. That's not what all bodies look like. That's yeah. not how all relationships are. That is a total fantasy. And it's if you're a pizza fantasy. guy, you're not going to get paid in sex. No, nobody is going to order a big <laughs> sausage pizza and then suck your dick when you deliver it. Okay, if some if that's happened to somebody, can they email us? <laughs> I mean, maybe that does happen consensually, but I feel like they don't talk about consent in porn because because unfortunately for a lot of people, consent is not sexy. The conversation of consent is not sexy, but it should be. Yeah. That should be the sexiest part. That is like having a connection with someone, being respectful of someone. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's just consent should be the number one sexy thing. And all of these conversations that you have, that you know, that we have as parents and that we have with each other and in our community and with young people, all these conversations help perhaps it would help prevent things like stalking. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously if you have mental illness, illness, that's not going to change anything, but just if people understood how to treat each other and if young people understood the dynamics and the guidelines and the parameters of relationships and how to respect each other, because like you said, a lot of the times stalking happens to young people. Mm -hmm. And I think that those young people are probably not in cases of violence, obviously, but if you're a young person and you're stalking and you might not even understand that what you're doing is inappropriate mm-hmm. because you're immature mm-hmm. and you've been around abusive relationships and you don't know the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the mental illness also is like a whole other can of worms, like yeah. mental health stigma. And like, that is like a whole, can we get more help for the people that yeah. need it? Yeah. Our like, mental that's health. That's a whole yeah. nother thing. So I Ugh. mean, yeah, that's yeah, like a yeah, whole nother yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, <laughs> I know I have multiple people in my own family that work with people with, uh, in, in mental health mm-hmm. facilities, facilities and mm-hmm. things like that. And the, the people just need more help. Yeah. And it's sad that they, it that we can't stigma. even, pre- no. I mean, it's not a stigma that you have a sprained ankle. It's not a yeah. stigma that you broke your Nobody arm. Nobody shames you for having a broken <laughs> bone. Exactly. So it's like nobody shames you for having breast cancer. But also it's hard because there's just, there's not enough resources for people. Mm, Yes, that's true. And that's an also an awful. I think the first step is breaking the stigma of mental health. And then the second step is actually providing opportunities for those people to get the help that they deserve. Yes. I mean, could that be a, like a, uh, the first step and the first step? The first two steps. Seems like a basic human right. I mean, we could talk about this all day. Are we on a tangent? We are. All right. Let's wrap it up. Let's bring it back. Let's reel it in. All right. Um, well, so those are some statistics. I will post the links and, um, I have never, I'm trying, have you ever been, um, a victim of stalking? No. Have you? Um, no. Yeah. Fortunately for me, I have not had to deal with a stalker. Which seems like an anomaly, which is so sad, you know? Like, if you're, stop stalking people. Good job, Cassie. <laughs> fixed it. I, it's done. I fixed it. <laughs> oh my God. If you are dealing with issues of stalking, please check our resources that we will have linked in our episode. Yeah, I don't really know how to end this episode. We don't have a high note. Mm. Sorry. You know, you know what? Maybe I do. Okay. It's okay. kind of TMI. Okay. Tell me, tell me. But I did check something off my bucket list this weekend. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Okay. We need to bring, we're bringing, this is for you listener. Cause we know that this is a heavy, heavy. Yes. So I am, I love camping. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, those wild hippie people. I mm-hmm. love camping. Her I love- armpit hair is amazing. <laughs> I shaved it. I it's summertime. I'm shaving it. Okay. Um, but anyways, I went 
to dis- I we um did disperse camping this weekend, which mm-hmm. means it's totally dry. There's no bathrooms. There's no running water. Mm-hmm. I took hellish a Sorry. dump mm-hmm. and a human litter box, and I was able to check that off my bucket list. So literally, my worst fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. But I'm really proud of you. I, it was not bad. I I think that's wrong. I think it is. I think it was very bad. It wasn't bad. Here's the thing. I took, uh, okay, well, I learned that there's like faux pas with um, going in a bucket with litter, kitty litter in it. Mm-hmm. I guess you're not supposed to do it inside of your tent. It's like kind of like <laughs> a faux pas. So you pas. just do it in the trees? Yeah. Well, first I did it in the tent and then everyone kind of like sh- tent crap shamed me. Because then you had to carry your poop bucket out. They were like, you're not really supposed to do that in the tent. I was like, well, where do you do it? You just have to do it in the woods. So then I walked about half a mile away mm-hmm. from our campsite. And mm-hmm. I found this wonderful marsh meadow with a like encirclement of trees. And I sat there and I just I watched one. birds. You I know, think I'm that's like birds. a fairy thing thing a circle of trees yeah with well half circle it was like a u-shape of trees there was like six trees I think you took a shit in a fairy kingdom what an asshole (laughs) no you destroyed their capital no I I didn't take a shit on the ground it was in a bucket okay you're actually the queen of the fairies now (laughs) no but it was a beautiful um morning dump view and it was very nice I am so sorry listeners I'm not sorry. I am not sorry. We're I'm go- sorry. I'm not sorry. Okay. We're, me and Cassie are actually going camping this weekend. And when we get back next week, we will have better stories than poops and buckets oh stories. Gosh. It's going to be so many drunk stories. It's, <laughs> we're going to be out of control. It's really, I mean. Our husbands bu- are going to lose their mind. Oh, gosh. They're going to, they're going to divorce us and marry each other. That's what is going to happen. And we are also going to be admitted for severe dehydration <laughs> and probably some minor abrasions because and we sunburn will. and sunburn. <laughs> but anyways, it was wonderful. I got to check it off my bucket list. Dry camping. If you're afraid of it, don't be. It's it's fun. It's you feel one with nature. I totally recentered myself with everything going on in the world. I was feeling a little bit. There's a lot of um, crazy things going on, and I found myself feeling like I needed to center so it was a a reset yes I really um was lucky that I was able to get away and kind of recenter and now I'm like ready for the good fight you know what I mean like I'm recharged and I'm really ready okay well I need that this weekend (laughs) so you're gonna have to press my reset button yes I will and on that note don't forget to take care of yourself to make sure you're getting sleep make sure you're eating make sure that you're centering love yourself Lock your doors and light some sage. Cheers to that. Do you think we went off on too long of a tangent? No, absolutely not. Fucking never. Huh.